0: Welcome to the Small Business Sessions from Enterprise Nation powered by 0 We're a podcast packed with inspiration from entrepreneurs who've been there and done it, and advice from experts on the topics you need to know to start and grow a brilliant business. Head to enterprisenation.com forward slash podcast for more information, and don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Welcome to this week's episode of the Small Business Sessions. My name is Dan Martin. I'm Head of Content at Enterprise Nation, and I'm delighted to say this week I'm joined by a fellow podcaster, Sarah Aquazombie. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I'm a fresh podcaster, though, so fresh. I wouldn't say
1: I'm like particularly experienced. Well, you're but... a
0: fellow, fellow podcaster, so welcome. So it's good to have you in the podcast world. So we're going to talk about how you got to the point of podcasting because you've done lots of stuff before that. Yeah. So you started out, really, as an interiors blogger.
1: Do you wanna tell us how all that happened? Yeah, I've always been into quite creative stuff. I used to work in the music industry and then I ended up working in tech startups after I had my daughter. I think I was quite entrepreneurial from my music days. And so I ended up working in tech startups after I had my daughter and I'd stopped doing music and all that stuff. But I'd always kind of I missed the creative side. And so on the side I would be blogging about uh, decoration that we were doing at home and going to the antiques market that was around the corner like at lunchtime on my lunch break from working at this tech startup (laughs) and so the blog just kind of grew and grew I ended up moving over to another um, office-based role and then I got fired from that (laughs) and uh, when I got fired from that I just thought well, I've been working on my blog for like two years now. It's starting to like build up. I think I should just do this full time. Mm. There'll be a lot of people
0: listening to this that want to be bloggers, you know, want to become an influencer and yeah. do it full time. So, how did you grow it initially? You know, because you work with some big, big brands, didn't you, in the yeah. interior world? How did you sort of get them on board?
1: So, it's really just about really building a good brand, doing something quite different that stands out. I think I had quite good timing in the interior design blogging kind of world. There's a lot of, at the time, there was a lot of grey, a lot of shabby chic, like Mm. all this kind of quite traditional style. And I came out and was like, I like colour and neon things and patterns. And so I think it just stood out for being quite different. So I think, you know, that's always something that I preach to everyone is like, don't try and do something that's going to appeal to everyone. Like really hone in on what you do and what you like. And it might take you longer to kind of build up. But then when you do build it up, Brands are just going to come to you because you're so specific with what you do. I think it's really tempting to kind of be like one size fits all. But I I never found that worked
0: for me. Mm. How did you get the traffic to it, though? Because, you know, that's the the big thing. Yeah,
1: just really organically. Like, I think I'd had uh, a few sort of leftover people from my music days that were still following me. (laughs) And so I sort of had a small core audience. And then I think just sharing really specific stuff that was different and like had a different look to everything and you know stood out I think people started sharing it and I was sharing stuff that was really valuable and useful as well and so I I just sort of started to notice that it was organically growing when I would see people out and they would be like oh I love that blog post you wrote the other day and i would never had that feeling before of like things were just sort of spreading beyond what I was doing myself so honestly just really organic growth. What were you using to push it out there, like social media wise yeah, well, Instagram it... had only just really started to take off, mm. so Twitter at the time, Facebook, um, and then I think again, a timing thing, like getting being on Instagram just as it started to peak and Instagram such a visual platform that it works perfectly for interior design. Yeah. so I think the combination of those sort of few things of timing at the same time like really Helped it to pick up legs, and I became sort of one of the key interior design influencers, I suppose. But I remember, you know, when I started, it was all blogging, blogger, blogger, blogger. The word influence wasn't even around. And all the collaborations that I did were for the blog; they were never for Instagram. Yeah. And then there was this very clear tipping point where it just suddenly went completely Instagram. No one cared if you were writing a blog post anymore, as long as you were doing a sponsored post on Instagram. Right. Right. Yeah, it's so do you think blogs are still, still important? Do you think still I think they a are. Place? I think what I say to people now is like you need to approach it as a 360 content creation. Like you can't just be a blogger now. You also need to be making video content. You also need to probably have a podcast. You also need to be doing a lot on Instagram all the time. It's a lot more work, but, you know, you do need to have that 360 approach because I think just the way people use technology changes That's why we see podcasts so popular now, because everyone's so busy that we need things that we can listen to whilst cooking, whilst doing something else. And I think the whole sitting down to read long format articles is sadly dying out a bit. Mm. Um, But you can do very clever things by still doing it and mixing it in with other content, I think.
0: Mm. Because obviously one of the big things of doing it full time is finding the brands that are willing to pay for it and all that. All yeah. That kind of stuff. What's your advice on that? I guess you'd had, you had you know you had someone you were doing it part time, and did, so when you decided to go full time, did they sort of stay with you? And
1: I would just say, like even now, the percentage of influencer work I get compared to the other work that I do, it still wouldn't be like a full time salary. Mm. I don't think. Right. So you can't ever just think, oh, I'm going to be an influencer and I'm going to make a full time salary. It's going to be one of your revenue streams, but it's not going to be everything. Mm. I think the people that do make a full-time living off it now are are either very big and so they charge a lot per collaboration or they do a lot of them very often and we've seen like the public do not like that. (laughs) No, No. So I think you have to be realistic and you have to make it part of your revenue but I was also like ghostwriting blogs for other people, I was doing descriptions on people's websites, I was freelance interior styling, I was just doing like Anything that I could do basically.
0: Exactly. Um, so, where, so you've now got the No Ball brand, which yes. is your podcast,
1: the business school. How, how did that all happen? So, I was doing my blog and obviously got fired because I'm quite an open person. I described the whole situation the whole way through. And I think people saw that I did really well with taking myself freelance and blogging and earning an income from it and working with all these big brands. And so I noticed that I was just getting a lot of people email me all the time. How did you do this? How did you do that? How do you do that? I want to do this. I want to do that. I need some advice. And I would just spend my day like answering DMs on Instagram and tweets and think, oh, well, no, 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 do it like this. Do it like that. Do it like that. And I was like, do you know what? Actually, like I have a lot of advice here, like, and I've learned quite a lot. And there were things from my music days that I'd learned about building a community online. I built my whole community on, on MySpace, basically, when I was a lot younger. remember that. Yes, I'm, I'm there <laughs> from the beginning. So I kind of just had this moment of like, I've got a lot of useful information here. And I'm not saying I'm like the biggest pro of life and you can make a million pounds. But I've got some quite practical tips. I'm going to maybe package this up and see if anyone's interested in a blogging course. And I just put it on my Facebook and was like, would anyone like be interested in this? Like thinking i would probably get like 10 people that might pay me a hundred quid. Amazing. And I was just like overwhelmed with so much response. People were just like, yes, I need this. I need this. The first one I did, I think I made like 15 grand. And I was just like, oh my God, like <laughs> what have I been doing my whole life? I could just do this. Yeah. And so from there, it kind of went to then they wanted to know about Instagram. They wanted to know about Pinterest about how to brand themselves and so I've just continued sharing what I know in the form of courses and then at certain points I've brought in experts in different subjects and that's what I'm really doing now like is scaling it up and bringing lots of people with a lot more experience than I do in different things and bringing those people to the audience. Mm.
0: Um, obviously, we're a big fan of business support at Enterprise Nation, um, but your brand, the no ball thing, so is yeah. that you've chosen a sort of, is it like because you're trying, you're being a... Provocative. Provocative. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. But the thinking behind that, I guess, is it's just getting to the point, no no. Yeah,
1: I think the thing is, if if anyone who's listening knows me at all, I'm very blunt, I'm very to the point, and sometimes so blunt that I'm sort of like, oh, God, I shouldn't have said that. Like, you know, it's hurt someone's feelings and so everyone's always just like oh sarah's like no bs you ask her she's going to tell you if that's a rubbish idea she's going to tell you and so i think at first i was like oh i need to be nice and you know critique people's work in the right way and actually what people loved was just that no you're going to get like brutal truth like if you want to know how to do it sarah's just going to be like don't do that do this do this do this this is what worked this is what didn't work nope, that's rubbish and um it's just kind of grown out from there. So now we bring on like other experts who also have the same kind of style. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Thank you for not swearing. <laughs> uh, obviously, as I said, big fan of podcasts, you're a fellow podcaster. So you've decided to add a podcast to the, yeah. uh, to your armory, which is the Noble Business Women podcast. Yeah. So why have you decided to focus specifically on, I mean, everything you do really is around female entrepreneurship. but why, It is, yeah. So why have you decided to focus on, on women in business?
1: I still feel like we're really underrepresented, like especially in the UK. I think maybe in the States there's a few more female entrepreneurs, but I think in the UK we're still very underrepresented. We might see like a couple of women on Dragon's Den, but do they really look like us? Do they sound like us? Not really. I I think the examples that we have are a bit far away. Like they seem like they've really made it and they're usually a lot older, which is great. Um, But I think I was just kind of like, it would be great to hear from like, you know. Just day-to-day business women that have either just started or they've been going a few years and they're quite young and they're quite new to the game and um, they'll have advice that's maybe just one or two or three steps ahead of you instead of them being like a hundred steps ahead of you which I think can be a bit unattainable um, and also if you look at the top business podcasts on iTunes it's like all dudes <laughs> and I was just like this is so boring like I want to hear how other women have done it we do face different issues around business mm. i think we're still as much as i'd love to be like it's exactly the same for men and women it's not like we we still face things that are quite different um you know things like childcare confidence issues like that don't always affect men as much um or maybe they do and we don't hear about it so i just kind of wanted to fill that space
0: yeah Lots of women on the series of the small business sessions.
1: Um, I will have a look at those. Thank you. No, <laughs> it seems now. like you guys are doing some really great stuff for female entrepreneurship. So I'm definitely going to be checking it out. Yeah.
0: So, I mean, obviously our founder's female and, uh, you know, it's is issues that, that we do here a lot as well because, you know, the 60-ish percent of our membership is, is, is women. Yeah. So you, you brought up the thing around confidence um, and it is often brought up particularly around things like women's confidence to raise funding. Well,
1: it's, yeah. So the top two issues yep. they have from when I've surveyed them is confidence and money. Mm. So, I mean, com- you know, like talk about going and getting funding or investing. That's like hitting on all of our pain points at once.
0: Yeah, exactly. So, why, why do you think that is? Is it, is it society? Is it a long or what? I mean, how long do you have? I oh, know. I've opened up
1: a big <laughs> question. I think um, it's funny because I went on Twitter yesterday and this guy had shared this video of women and men at the gym. And all the men were on the weight machines on their own working in silo. And then he panned around and there was all these women in the Zumba class like dancing together. And he was like, this is why women aren't female entrepreneurs. Like they can't think for themselves. And I was just like, oh, thing is we've lived under a patriarchy for so long that we don't always have the confidence to just kind of go out there and just do it alone. Like we very much got used to like, forming communities and I think that's also a strong point of women is like we work well in teams and we are really supportive of each other and so I think that has its really great points but yeah maybe that does mean that it's a little bit harder for women to start businesses because they do have to go out on their own so I think that's part of it I think also just you know Sometimes we feel like we've got a lot to prove or like people think we're going to mess it up and stuff
0: like that. It is a big issue, like you said. There's been various reports that the government brought out about, particularly around finance.
1: Funding, yeah, exactly. Do you think the
0: government have a role to play
1: or should it be up to us I, private sector people to sort it out? I absolutely, I think the government have a role to play in everything. That's why they're there. <laughs> like, um, Otherwise, we might as well just do it ourselves, <laughs> which we kind of are at the moment, but you know. <laughs> Yeah, I do think there's a role to play for sure. I think even just in the last couple of months, I've seen so many initiatives coming forward about really closing that uh, funding gap. I was part of the Times campaign that ran last year, which was all about kind of bringing this to our attention. And I've seen that just even in a year, like so much has happened. I would definitely love to be funding female businesses in the future. Like we want to get into doing that at Noble School. But yeah, I think anything that they can do, you know, it's like. The same way, I mean, a lot of the problems that affect freelancers, male or women, is like, you know, just not being paid on time and people not paying invoices and stupid things like that. And the government should be doing more about that. There should be more legislation around getting people paid on time and what happens when you don't, because that can literally put a small business under Mm. overnight and it's not cool. Do
0: you think, maybe it's a controversial question, but on that late payment thing, do you think men are more
1: likely to chase... 100% 100% men and women 100% I mean that's obviously generalizing but like there's going to be some men that wouldn't feel confident to it and there'll be some women that do but I think if you were to look at equal amounts of both I think women because we have that confidence issue sometimes and we have that money issue sometimes that we can feel a little bit like oh god they're going to think I'm being really annoying maybe I won't get this job again there's a lot of feelings around like worthiness as well like oh they could just replace me with someone else if, if I chase them and I annoy them too much, they'll just get someone else. And so I do a lot of work around, like, teaching people how to chase. And actually, we're bringing out, like, a really short masterclass that's just an hour long that is literally about how to get paid on time because right. it's such a big issue, especially yeah. for women, yeah.
0: yeah. It's massive, again, for our members. What about you personally? Because um, you've, got, you've got a little one, you, you, you've got a partner. How do you manage, you know, your, your time while you're running it,
1: right? So I have... Two daughters actually. Oh, okay. So one is six, one is four months old, and then my husband's my business partner. So you know we have. I was going to say we have a really good work-life balance, but we don't at all. It's complete chaos all the time, especially now we've had the baby. It's just like we're literally passing like baby, baby, <laughs> baby, baby. But my husband is amazing. Like he is the true definition of like a supportive uh, partner. And he's a complete feminist, even though he might not say it himself. (laughs) Um, But he just kind of wants me to do as well as I can do. And he knows that I've got the vision. He'll he'll say, like, you're the one with the vision. You're the one with all the ideas. Like, I'm the supporting role in making that happen. And so he does so much. Like, he probably takes, you know, if you were to look at things traditionally, he would take the more traditional caregiver, uh, like, mum at home kind of role. That's kind of what he does. But then he's also my business partner. So we're both just trying to like juggle everything at once. It's chaos, I think.
0: <laughs> what is, you've got into it a bit there, but what is your advice then for running a business as a couple? I've asked people, a lot of husband and wives and other people that run businesses together. And a lot of people say we have moments in the evening after a certain amount of time, we don't talk about the business. Do you have that or do you find no. it ev-
1: all the time? I, I'm just on right. all the time. I don't switch off. My husband's very good at switching off and we, I mean, I think part of why it works is that we're so yin and yang. Mm. And that's what my advice to anyone would be is like, make sure that you have very complementary skills. Like he's really good at admin and logical things and doing things that practically make sense at the time. He's, a, he's quite risk averse. And then I'm like, Oh my God, let's do it. Let's spend all the money. Let's I I'm, I'm going here, I'm doing this. I'm like creative, madness so the two of us together work really well because we end up with this equilibrium that is the right place to be for the business so I would definitely say like make sure you have those complementary skills and just ways of working and being as people that you should kind of fit well together which you probably do otherwise you wouldn't be in a relationship Mm. the other thing I was going to say is that I think it's very hard if you both have a vision and you're both like pushing for your own version of what the company's success looks like Mm. I think you very much need to like in a good marriage or whatever you need to have the same long-term goals and the same kind of values as to how you approach things me and my husband work in entirely different ways and we probably wind each other up but we have exactly the same values when it comes to business authenticity integrity like there are real key values and so that works really well. Mm, that's a great tip.
0: Um, so just finally, what, what's the future? Where, where do you hope your brand will go? God, that's a big question. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's always the last one, like you just say. If we were here in five years' time, yeah. before, where would you hope you'll be?
1: And it's good you ask because I've been having to do a lot of that kind of forward thinking recently. I think, you know, this started out as a lifestyle business and it's very quickly turned into something. That I'm like, this isn't going to be a lifestyle business anymore. This needs to scale. So we're looking at um, like expanding the courses that we do. So we have like our main bigger courses that are sort of four to six weeks. And we've just started introducing masterclasses, which are literally like an hour taster session with different experts. And they're 15 pounds. So they're ridiculously affordable. Almost anyone can try them out. So that's kind of the next thing we've introduced. Obviously, we have the podcast. And we are starting to look at creating physical products. We started an event series earlier this year that we're picking up again like in the coming months. So we're just trying to kind of be everywhere that anyone interested in female entrepreneurship would be and have touch points across as much of their life as possible. Mm. Fantastic. That's a great vision. Yeah, it's just Check. a small one. Just, you know? a, just a small
0: one. Seen <laughs> five years, we'll talk about it. Sarah, thank you so much for joining us on this one. Thank you sessions. for having me. You've been listening to the Small Business Sessions for Enterprise Nation, powered by Zero. For more information, visit enterprisenation.com forward slash podcast. And big thanks to podcast production company Raffi for producing this podcast. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe. And we'll see you next time.